You are here with Kari and Catherine. This episode of For Church Girls Only is being brought to you by the Influencer Activist Toolkit. The Influencer Activist Toolkit is a platform that teaches digital content creators how to use their platforms to advocate for others while embracing diversity and inclusivity for all. Hey, church girls. Hey, y'all. We're here. <laughs> yes, we are back for another episode. And today we are going to be talking about voting. And politics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two of the topics you're never supposed to talk about. Um, politics and religion. We're going to do it all. All of it at the same time. Something might implode. Um, <laughs> so, um, I think I want to say, I want to say full disclosure and be open with this. I don't ever want to be a person that hides how I feel because I'm afraid of what people are going to say. Um, so full disclosure, we started this conversation off camera talking about homosexuality and voting for um, marriage equality. And that conversation kind of came out of the episode where we discussed the hierarchy of sin. And my position, because I do have, Car and I both have a lot of gay friends and we were talking about our you know, personal beliefs on the matter and it basically boils down to it doesn't matter what your sexual or gender orientation or identification is our job is to love you as a human being and as a beloved creation of god and all of the other details is not for us to work out you know our our start and stop is you are a human. I see you as a human. I love you. Anything you do in your life, you know, if you ask my opinion, I will tell you how I, you know, I can tell you how I feel. I can tell you what scripture says. It is not my job to force what I believe on you and vice versa. Um, And where that kind of tied into politics was talking about I brought up the the subject of voting for marriage equality because as Christians, what scripture teaches us is that marriage is between a man and a woman, but the vote for marriage equality was not, was less about who was marrying who. That bill was tied to providing, basically providing civil rights and health care to people or denying the same from people based on their gender identification or sexual orientation. So we were talking about like how you balance having your beliefs and then voting, like do you vote for your beliefs if it's harming another person or do you vote against your beliefs to 
help another person? Like, how do you balance that as a Christian? So that's kind of where the conversation came from and where this episode is going, talking about as Christians, how do we vote? So Cara, you brought up some good points um, before we start recording. So we wanna like really bring that in and maybe start from the point of when it comes to politics as Christians, is it our job to police people's choices? Yeah, you know, as Christians, we get our roles or our responsibility to vote and we try to entangle it in our religious beliefs and we get our roles confused. Yes, I am a Christian. Yes, I believe what the Bible says. Yes, I believe in upholding the word of God when it comes to my life and my relationship. Mm -hmm. But is it my job or my responsibility to police everyone around me into upholding biblical beliefs and standards when that may not be what they ascribe to? Yeah. I think there is, um, there's some confusion in that. I also believe that we, and I'm not, I'm saying we, because people that identify as Christians sometimes give all of us as Christians a bad name with this one. Yeah. To say that we're voting um, for or against something because the Bible says X, Y, and Z, but not realizing that on the same hand that when we are doing this, when we're voting that way, because of what the Bible says, we are denying someone their rights. We are uh, restricting their ability to make decisions. We are um, basically trying to box them into what we believe to be right or wrong, mm -hmm. not realizing that you know, at the end of the day, God still gives them the ability and the choice to choose. And if we are supporting taking away people's rights, if we are supporting um, taking away people's ability to choose, we can't really say that we're doing that in the name of the Lord. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I know that we see, and I'm going to, I'm going to address this from the scriptural, a scriptural standpoint as well, because I know that we've seen in the old Testament where the children of Israel, you know, had to have everybody in the camp had to have things right, had to do things the right way, mm -hmm. but that was totally different. They were living under a theocracy. We are living under a democracy. In other words, they're, there was a lot of the guesswork and a lot of the choice work being taken out of it because they were called as the children of God, the people of God. Yeah. Now, everybody had a decision to choose whether or not that's what they wanted to do. But as a people and as a unit, if you wanted to stay in the unit, you had to come up under the authority of God and what God said was right or wrong. It doesn't work the same way for what we live in right now. We live in a democracy. And so our priorities are a little bit different. I can't enforce my religious beliefs on the next person, especially if I wouldn't want that being done to me because we understand that America is a, is a melting pot. I wouldn't want you know, someone of a different faith or a different belief system to try to enforce their beliefs on me. Right. How can we do the same? Right. Um, you know, and if, you know, if politics wasn't enough to, you know, get people riled up, I'm going to talk about abortion. Um, <laughs> like we just fall in. So what frustrates me is I believe abortion is wrong. 
I don't believe that women should have abortions. But before you get to a woman making the choice to have an abortion, have you educated her and the guy on safe sex practices, regardless of whether you agree with, you know, if you think fornication is a sin or as long as you're a consenting adult, it doesn't matter. Have you, have they been educated on safe sex practices? Do they have access to birth control? Do they have options? Is, ado is adoption an option for them before they get to the choice of, I can't do this, I'm gonna, I'm making the choice to have an abortion. Now, I know there are outliers. There are very, very heartbreakingly, there are people who use, use abortion as a method of birth control. That's just, that's unconscionable to me. I'm not disputing that that does not happen. But what I've seen in the last, you know, presidential election, other elections that are happening and the ones that are coming up is people are taking the stance that I'm going to vote for this candidate because of their stance against abortion. When we talk about policing people's choices, I don't, I don't agree that abortion is the thing to do. Parenthood has been targeted. Now they, they have a, a, you know, sketchy start, but that's, you know, generations ago. What Planned Parenthood is today, they, they do provide abortion access and that is funded by private donor dollars. There is no taxpayer money used for performing an abortion service. Um, that's just, you know, background information. Where I find my biggest conflict in whether or not to support Planned Parenthood is that yes, they are a facility that provides abortion services, but they also provide healthcare services for women who would otherwise not have access to healthcare. They provide wellness checkups, things that we, we who have insurance can go to a primary care physician and have those, um, have those issues addressed and receive medication and all of those things. People who use Planned Parenthood for services other than abortion do not have the same medical access that we do. So if I vote to shut down Planned Parenthood, it's going to deter a woman who wants to have an abortion because if that's what she has set her heart to do, she's gonna find a way to do it. But in deterring that woman from having an abortion, I have also removed any access to healthcare for women who otherwise cannot afford it or do not have access to it. So as a Christian, do I vote, do I vote to support closing Planned Parenthood to police the choices of a few and deny the care of the of the plenty. How do you, you know, how do you make that choice? And, you know, full disclosure, like I've seen, you know, the protesters at Planned Parenthood are, who are trying to stop abortions. I've been down there 
I almost got into a fist fight with a nurse. You know, tiny Napoleon complex. I'm I'm trying to fight somebody. Um, <laughs> I've I've almost gotten to a physical altercation with a nurse because I was trying to get them to to let me talk to a woman to say, if you choose to not abort your child, I will adopt your child. I'll take care of all of your medical expenses. Like I'll do this. Like this was what I was trying to do. Um, but you know, when it comes to policing others' choices, when we say you can't have an abortion and I'm not going to allow you to have an abortion, how are we stepping up and showing up as Christians to support a woman who we've talked out of that decision? Are we going to then summarily vote to deny her, you know, um, access to, you know, food stamps or whatever other services that she needs to raise this child that we have not allowed her to kill because we, you know, we are voting for the right to life. You know, it does not, supporting life does not stop at that decision of whether or not you carry a pregnancy to term. So I think a lot of times when we look at policing people's choices, we, we want to stop them from making a choice, but we don't support them in the actions that result in them not being able to make that choice. So as a Christian, have we done the right or wrong thing in policing that particular choice? And I think that that in and of itself is the question, the most important question, not whether or not the person, and, and I'm not saying that I condone it either. I don't believe in abortion. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and act like I didn't at one point in time consider it myself. You know, when you're talking about taking on the responsibility for another human life, you have to count all of the costs, not just the sacrifice of, you know, putting, quote unquote, putting your life on hold or, um, you know, making the decision to, you know, put another person first, but also you know, babies is expensive. <laughs> that formula and them diapers be adding up real quick, you know? Um, and so then on the other hand, like you, like you mentioned, you're also voting that you don't want people to have access to benefits. You think we should reduce the benefits and make it more restrictive. So then how is this person who may not be ready or financially, you know, equipped to support a child at this time in their life? You know, how are they supposed to be able to walk that out? Yeah. Um, and what resources are we willing to provide to them to make sure that we're supporting them in making the choice that we think is right? Right. And um, again, this is not to say that I condone abortion, um, but I, but like I said, I've been in a place where I've considered it because I felt like I didn't have what I needed mm -hmm. to be able to take care of a child. I, and 19 years old. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's a story for another time, but I just think that we as Christians can do a better job in really showing the love of Christ to other people by, and I, I know that I'm always using this word, but empathy is so big. You know, it's very hard to minister to someone that you don't feel compassion for, that you don't right. want to you know, feel where they're, where they're at and, and 
understand the, the reason or the things that could lead them to making the decisions that they're making. Um, and, you know, it just seems a little heartless and a little cold to just say that the Bible says this, mm -hmm. so I'm going to try to enforce that on you. And I'm going to vote to make sure that it's enforced on you, yeah. not caring how it can possibly affect you um, and possibly the lives that you are responsible for. Um, and so it leaves us in a very awkward place, even as Christians. And I'll just use this as an example. Um, one of my one of my jobs that I had um, quite some time ago. I was actually working underneath like a, a Christian teacher and I always felt so uncomfortable talking politics with him because he was, he believed something that I didn't believe politically, but he would always try to like, kind of like loom it over my head to say like, yeah, God doesn't want us, you know, those, those, Democrats, they just don't have any revere for God. And it's like, but I'm a Democrat. You know, like I just felt so uneasy and so uncomfortable in those situations because to me, you know, like he would say, these, these are some of the quotes he would say. He would say certain things to me like, um, you know, I, I, I came from nothing. My family was dirt poor and I pulled myself up with my own bootstraps. I never used assistance or anything like that. So I don't believe in us giving out all this assistance to people who are just basically scamming the system. And I would just be quiet because little did he know I was a single parent of two children that had to be on the system for a time. And I didn't take advantage of it. I used what I needed and I got off. Right. And I didn't even use all the resources that were available to me. I only used what I felt like I absolutely needed at that time. So it, it made me feel so awkward and so uncomfortable to know that another quote unquote brother in Christ could feel this way about somebody or could feel this way about a, a population of people who are not where you are financially. Mm -hmm. um, when Jesus has always spoken about us showing compassion and love towards those that are poor and saying that they'll always be with us and us showing love towards them and not just leaving them in the state that they're in. Right. Like, how do you justify that? Yeah, you, you were talking and I immediately thought about when um, Jesus fed the, the 5,000. It was like, you know, I had resources. I increase the resources because there were people that needed it. You know, I didn't care about if, you know, this group over here had more than this group over here. Everybody is here right now. They need to be fed. I'm going to feed them. We'll worry about the details later, you know. And when we, you know, speaking of it politically, when we have resources, we're not say, blessed as a country to have those resources to hold on to it to the people that we deem are worthy. We have those resources to give to the people who needs it, and then God is going to sort out the details later. That's that's not on us. We don't get to decide, you know, I think that you're going to abuse this, so, you know, don't, I'm not going to give you anything, or I'm going to punish everybody because of what I think you're going to do. And, you know, my stance, it's, for me, politically, I... I like to call myself a conservative Democrat um, <laughs> because I, I don't have the option to be an independent, um, but I, I call myself a conservative Democrat. 
I would not be ashamed to say that I'm a socialist. You know, because I believe socialism is taking care of the community. I was tr I was raised to take care of the community. Um, but you know, even when it comes to the issues of like welfare, I've I've had not the same beliefs, but I've had the concerns because I get frustrated when I see people taking advantage of the system. But I have never been in favor of taking away that assistance from the people who truly need it because of the actions and misuse of a few. Let the people who need to deal with the people who are misusing the system, let them deal with that. But I'm never going to you know, vote to take away resources from people who truly need the help because of you know, somebody who's taking advantage of the system. Um, you know, like I was the same way when I was in college, um, I qualified to receive food stamps. And I was like, okay, you know, I had never been on assistance. Like I didn't grow up in a family that needed financial assistance. My dad was in the military, you know, we were always taken care of. But in college, I knew that my parents didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have scholarships. So I needed, you know, assistance from wherever I could get it. And because I qualified, I did, you know, go go and get food stamps but once i got a job and was able to bridge that gap and be able to take care of myself i got off of it because i didn't want to take away the resources from somebody else that needed it you know let my money be reallocated to a family that needed it who may have not been able to get assistance because i was on it you know as a whole people who are receiving government assistance are not taking advantage of the system there's such a racial and and financial desert and inequality that's like just innate in our system it is that broken that there are more people like there's so much wealth in this country that people should not be on government assistance but because of the disparity of wealth people have to rely on that system and until we can fix that at its foundation you can't you can't rob people of what they need to survive because you feel like because i didn't need it you shouldn't need it either that entire part and i think that it's very difficult to judge someone else's walk when you're not walking it to judge someone else's position in life when you're not living it and realizing that and here's the thing. So we say we take it away. We take away all aid. We take away, you know, food stamps and cash aid and, you know, Medi-Cal for people. It's called Medi-Cal here. I think it's called Medicaid <laughs> everywhere else. But um, if we take it away from the people who need it, then what? What what turn of events will will happen behind these people behind people not having the assistance that they need when they need it it's going to affect you somehow would you rather pay a small portion of taxes to provide these benefits and this help to people who really need it or would you like to see because really to me when you when there's extreme cases of poverty it's going to turn people to other beings they have to find a way to survive one way or another it's going to affect you one way or another. I would rather us 
say, let's, let's provide the resources, let's provide assistance, let's try to help, you know, our fellow common man, rather than saying like, well, they can just figure it out on their own. More yeah. likely than not, people figuring it out on their own is not going to lead to anything good. It's going it's to turn into something else. And I just, you know, it's funny because I've actually had, um, I, from my, my last two jobs, um, I actually worked as an eligibility, like, you know, what do you call it? Eligibility worker. So I help people to receive different aid and to be able to get people qualified to receive it. And it was actually very fulfilling work because you get to hear the stories behind the people that are getting the assistance and not everybody had a sob story, you know, but at the same time, it was like, you know, I can understand that that young teenager that just turned 18 that got kicked out of their parents' house, not having, you know, any food or a job or, you know, like even a roof over their head, they have friends that let them crash on their couch. Like, okay, yeah, get you some food stamps till you get on your feet. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's just very selfish to be like, well, I worked for everything that I had and everybody else needs to figure it out. Yeah. You know, it just doesn't seem like a very Christ-like position to take because you don't know what it would take for them to do that. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, what's kind of coming out of, you know, especially, you know, George Floyd's death, like that, I think there had been a lot of kindling, you know, kind of being ignited with the deaths, you know, of the other people that came before him, men and women, but George Floyd specifically, the way that he lost his life was what set it on fire. And what has come out of it is that people are for the, you know, for the most part, you know, you still have some folks that have, you know, stone hearts, but for the most part, people are starting to listen, their eyes are opening to the truth and the veil is being pulled back on what our country really is. And <clears throat> I think a lot of people who, you know, have long held the belief that if I can work for it, you can too. And there's no reason why you can't pull yourself up by the bootstraps like that just drives me nuts to hear that phrase. But they're now seeing what racial, social and economic um, disparities look like and how rooted it is in every aspect of our country, starting from when we were founded. Yeah. And, um... I, I one of one of the other things that I wanted to bring out about the policing is that, you know, it's not entirely true when we say that we're voting um, because of our biblical beliefs, because there really is no political affiliation that completely upholds the Bible and what the Bible stands for. No. So, you know, if you're really, you know, if you're saying I'm, you know, God wants me to be this or that. I'm saying Republican or Democrat, you ain't telling the truth because neither one of them is upholding the Bible. Right. Neither one of what they believe or what they, and, and there's flaws on both sides. And let's not even get into the, the, the dichotomy or the, the struggle of being a person of color having to, to pick a political affiliation because there really is no political affiliation that's entirely you know, beneficial to me as a black woman in America. 
but I digress. <laughs> that is, you know, well. you have to pick the lesser of two evils. You have to decide where your priorities stand and what is most important to you. And you know what what I've come to realize, especially when I had this particular you know, almost altercation at a clinic was that when we vote a certain way and not just about abortion, but you know, when we vote on any issues, I think a lot of times we use our vote to shirk the responsibility of what it means to be a Christian because we feel like I'm just going to vote. That's going to be the end of the story. The things are going to be the way that I want them if I vote this particular way and then I have no more responsibility in the matter. And that is so far from the truth. Um, and understanding that voting is just a part of the process. And, you know, and, and going back, apparently I feel very strongly about this abortion thing. Um, you know, going back to that topic, where are where are we as Christians when it comes to talking to people about the the importance of purity where where are we when it comes to talking to people about the consequences of their choices where are we as Christians when it comes to extending grace when people make the choices that don't align with what we believe to be true. Um, we can't just vote one way or the other and think that the work is done because it's not. We have so much, you know, and I'm not saying this to, you know, tell somebody to not be involved in the voting process because that is absolutely not what I'm saying. But in addition to voting, we have a responsibility to still go out to teach and preach. If something is, you know, if, if there's a law passed that we disagree with, we still have the responsibility to go out and teach and love why this particular thing is wrong and what God expects from us. We have a right to teach, but not police. We can't force anyone to believe what we believe. We cannot enact laws that will harm people because they believe what we don't believe or, that our, or because our beliefs don't align. That's not our responsibility as Christians. We are to love, go out, teach, and preach. The decisions that people make at the end of the day are between them and God. As long as we're doing our part to teach and love, it's out of our hands. And I think a lot of times, you know, like you were saying a minute ago, we get our roles confused where we, we do have a right to, and a responsibility to judge and love, but we cannot judge people in our selfishness. Like we can't, we can't judge people as if we are perfect and have never made a mistake ourselves. So I know that some of what we've already said this far in the episode, and if you've gotten this far, <laughs> has been very controversial 
and probably not what you were expecting to hear from two church girls. Yeah. But I do think it's important to to have this conversation because we're not having it enough in church. Um, and if we're honest, you know, um, and I was just saying this to Catherine and I before we started recording this episode that we're honestly kind of sandwiched between two generations. You know, the generation before us that saw things very black and white, right is right, wrong is wrong, um, you know, and dealt with it the way that they dealt with it. And then we are also sandwiched with a, a younger generation um, who kind of just goes with anything, like everything's okay, <laughs> you know? I accept everything, I'm tolerant of everything. Um, and realizing that, you know, us being in the middle, it, it kind of brings this dilemma um, for us because we understand uh, where some of the strictness and the sternness came from, from the older generation. Um, and we understood why they believe the way that they believe, but we don't necessarily agree with it because I mean, there's just so many factors, but one of them is us living our own lives and having our own experiences, us at being educated, but also realizing that there are so many factors that can go into this from us having our own experiences, living our own lives um, to us, you know, being educated and learning that, you know, things aren't always colored and shaded the way that we were taught. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it brings this dilemma too, because then we also have this responsibility to teach the, the generation under us, you know, that, yeah, I mean, everybody can do what they want to do, but that doesn't mean it's okay. Right. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, so we're kind of like that, that we're doing this like balancing act where we're kind of in the middle and we're also trying to bridge that, that gap to help um, both generations see that we can take a little something from one another and realizing that, you know, <laughs> just because we were taught this way and we handled it this way doesn't necessarily mean that it's the best way to handle it, right? Yeah. Um, Yes, it's wrong to, to have sex before marriage. I'm using that as an example because that was, you know, that was my slip up. Um, but yes, it's wrong to have sex before marriage and, and to have babies. But how you treat me after I make the mistake is just as important. And you should be just as passionate about loving on me after the mistake as you were about preaching to me and telling me not to do it. Yes. Um, and so, you know, when we're talking about you know, policing people and we're talking about voting and we're talking about the decisions that we're making. You know, our generation, Catherine and I, you know, we're kind of sat in the middle to where we feel like we still have a responsibility to be better than those that came before us. We have a responsibility to, you know, feel and to have compassion for our fellow and common man. And so, you know, we might be voting in ways that you don't agree with, quote unquote, spiritually, but it's not because we're not spiritually minded. It's because there is a burden for others and there's a burden for souls that goes beyond the four walls of the church or beyond the denomination or beyond the religion that we practice. And so if we don't hold ourselves accountable to that for our generation, we kind of feel like we're dropping the ball for the next one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, 
you know, we're having this, we're having this conversation and, you know, it's just kind of a, a back and forth, but, you know, it's, you have to, you have to do what God has put on your heart, but in doing that, you also have to guard your heart and be sure that the opinions you're forming and the decisions that you're making are not planted by the enemy to continue dividing. Um, and, you know, be willing to be willing to educate and be educated on, you know, what the different issues are. It's, it's very hard and it's a struggle to know that you're doing the right thing and, and making sure that you are not um, aligning the word of God when you are, when you are voting and making those decisions. And ma in making those decisions, because, because politics is kind of designed to be either or, like we don't have a lot of room for what is the common middle. Because, you know, you, you split, the, split the country into Republican versus Democrat, it doesn't leave room for people who claim to be Republican to have more liberal views and people who claim to be Democrat to have more conservative views that is more ground of, I believe my command to love and to care for you is more important than forcing my beliefs onto you. And we can't, especially if people don't even know where our beliefs come from because we have not taught, how can we expect them to agree with us if they don't know why we believe the way we do? If all you do is, is yell and malign and anger, you're missing the opportunity to teach and love. Well said. If, you know, and, and what I, what I, you know, even taking from this conversation, you know, to myself is that when you, when you're going to the polls and having to make a decision on a candidate or an issue, look at the bigger picture and vote for what is going to be best for the community as a whole. And don't be distracted by what is going to force your beliefs on a smaller group of people who don't believe the way that you do. And if you are, if you are voting and working for the improvement of all of us, then I feel, I feel secure in saying that is more, more aligned with the scriptures than voting one party over the other. Okay. Well, good to talk about that. I feel like we don't talk about that in church at all. And then, yeah, I think it, it leaves a lot of room for emotions and unresolved emotions too, especially with what's been going on, mm -hmm. you know, in the country, because you do have a large, a large group of Christians who believe that it, you vote Republican no matter what. Yeah. yeah. And I do think that we have to start holding ourselves accountable 
to what the person is actually standing for, yeah. what they're promoting, how it affects everyone in the country, especially, especially those that are op oppressed already. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, for me personally, one thing that we just, we just had our local elections. Um, the official day was last week. There's an onus on us to be informed about who we are voting for and what they stand for because we are electing these people to be representatives of us. I, in the past, had been very guilty of, within my party, which I'm a registered Democrat, within my party, voting for people based on the color of their skin more than what they actually stood for. And, you know, that is, that is a sin that I'm confessing because I had always been so, like I had not taken the time out to educate myself about the people that I was voting for. This last election cycle, we had a local group to put together all of the candidates who were running for all of the offices that were up for election and re-election. And I actually took the time, and I mean, it was like 20 pages worth of people. And I actually took the time to go through each person's platform and to see what they stood for. And what I found was even within, like in the past, I would have just like, okay, I'm voting for everybody black. <laughs> You know, I, you know, I'm admitting that and I've not, I don't like, I have voted for Republicans in my city because I felt like they were the best candidate for the job. But, you know, overall I would vote for someone because they were black and in this last election, looking at some of the candidates who were black, I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like their, their platforms and their beliefs were so far away from what I stood for and what I agreed with that if I had not read about them, that I would have just voted for them just to, you know, give them a vote. And I think that on some level, we are all guilty of that, where we don't really take the time to evaluate what people stand for and you know as christians are there is their platform more aligned with what jesus would have us to do or am i just voting for them because i'm supposed to vote for them and i mean you know even <laughs> i was like dumbfounded i was like i was like this particular candidate is not did not even submit coherent sentences <laughs> or platform <laughs> okay I, as long as you know what you're talking about because i have no idea what you just said um so yeah you know taking on that responsibility to you know be able to fully stand behind fully and prayerfully stand behind the candidate that you that you are choosing um and knowing what they stand for and supporting them because they have the best interest of the country as a whole, not just the people you feel like 
should have rights over somebody else. So we're just going to close this episode with a prayer. Um, we definitely hope to have inspired um, you to do a little more research, a little more soul searching um, in the decisions that we make when we go to the polls and to be conscious of our fellow man and how our decisions are affecting the next person. So we're going to go before the Lord. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity to have dialogue and conversation about the things that sometimes make us uncomfortable. But God, we thank you because we know that when we're confronted with discomfort, it brings about an opportunity for change. It brings about an opportunity for growth and understanding. And so God, I ask that you would help us, Lord, to, to grow in understanding and in knowledge I pray, Lord God, that we will do our research before we go to the polls and we will learn about the candidates and the different um, ballot or things that are on the ballot that we're voting for, Lord God, that we have a full understanding of those things. And I ask, Lord God, that you would condition our hearts to, to vote with the love that you've given us. We pray, Lord God, that you would help us to um, make sure that our intentions are aligned with not just your word, but more so, Lord God, with who you are, that we would exhibit your attributes and your qualities, Lord. We ask, Lord God, that you would strengthen us, that you would help us, and help us not to just have this conversation here, but help us to continue this conversation in private places um, with our friends, with our family. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to incite and to challenge one another to be better and to continue to move forward as we go throughout this earth, Lord God, doing what you called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of For Church Girls Only. Be sure to learn more about the Influencer Activist Toolkit by visiting us online at facebook.com slash Influencer Activist Toolkit. This has been Cara and Catherine, and you've listened to another episode of For Church Girls Only. Make sure to follow us at For Church Girls Only on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook, and Church Girls Only on Twitter.